Welcome to the United Church Podcast. We're a new church here in Seattle committed to an ethic of love and walking in the ways of Jesus. We're striving to be a people united, united with Jesus, each other, ourselves, and the world around us. We hope you're encouraged and challenged by this week's homily. May the peace of Christ be with you. They went to Capernaum, and when the Sabbath came, Jesus went into the synagogue and began to teach. The people were amazed at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Just then, a man in their synagogue, who was possessed by an impure spirit, cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, said Jesus sternly. Come out of him. The impure spirit shook the man violently and came out of him with a shriek. The people were all so amazed. They asked each other, What is this? A new teaching? With authority? He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. News about him spread quickly over the whole region of Galilee. What do you believe exactly? He said to me, squinting his eyes, craning his neck forward just a bit as he reached down to grab his glass. Pre-pandemic, I loved walking into a bar, sitting down with a book, and waiting for the next unsuspecting patron to saddle up next to me. I, I love these kinds of questions, the, the ones that leave you wondering where on earth this conversation is going to go, the, the kinds of questions that you know are an opening into an interesting world filled with twists and turns, conversations that you know you're going to make mistakes in, conversations that you know you're not going to quite say the right thing or explain something very well. but. You'll learn, and you'll walk back in the next day or the day after and hope for a do-over with a, a new single-serving friend. That, that's a big question, I said, as the news continued in the background. I, I'm not really sure how to answer that. We had been talking about politics, our city's second language. He had just finished his monologue on the evils of neoliberalism and corporate capitalism, how we were nothing more than an oligarchy, a plutocracy masquerading as a democracy. In fact, we're really nothing more than a cockistocracy, he shouted as he raised his glass in affirmation. A what? I asked. A cockistocracy, a government of idiots. Oh, what's the thing that drives you, he asked. That, that singular idea that you believe in, that, that makes you get up in the morning. What do you believe in? I immediately knew my answer, but I sat there for a moment. Do I really want to take this turn? My new single-serving friend was smart, maybe even brilliant. He could wax eloquently, weaving together philosophical thoughts and political ideologies. I, I was pretty intimidated by his prowess. I'm going to say this, and it's going to destroy the entire conversation, and then he's going to turn around and just destroy me. I sighed. Inside my head, of course. I, I couldn't let him see me sweat. Jesus. Jesus is what makes me get up in the morning. Fuck. You can finish that phrase yourself. His eyes wide, almost a deer in headlights kind of look, a, a what on earth did I just walk into kind of fear. 
You could quite literally see all the gears in his head turning, moving the blocks out of the way to like to recategorize me and, and who I was, what I believed in. Because now, now I'm the guy that believes in Bronze Age absurdities, who doesn't believe in dinosaurs, a self-righteous jerk with a wishy-washy niceness and savage judgmentalism, who denies science, believes in a pixie god, and promises the oppressed the pie in the sky when they die, but doesn't care so much about the here and now, unless of course it's meant to oppress others, restrict their rights, while clamoring for more liberty of my own. I think he started looking around to see if he could find my red hat. Well, that was unexpected, he said as he shook his head, still reeling from the revelation. You're welcome? <laughs> I raised my glass to him. How come, though? What's so unexpected about that? He squinted again, and you could see the gears still turning in his head as he tried to reconcile his thoughts. You see, just a few minutes ago, we were talking about homelessness, and, and you told me how you went to the Port Authority to advocate and fight for the tiny village's lease renewal, how you and some friends volunteer at that tiny village on a regular basis and actually get to know people. Like, you're actually doing something about the problem instead of calling the cops on encampments. Why is that so unexpected? I responded. Man, Christians. He just shook his head. They don't do anything. They just complain all the time, walking around with this victimization complex. They, they talk about all sorts of weird stuff, but never do anything. They're all talk. And the talk isn't really even all that interesting or good. They really only care about what they believe in. Nothing more. That's interesting, I looked at him, because that's exactly what you asked me, isn't it? What do you believe in? Absolutely, he said, but I only asked because of what you've done. I wanted to know what drove that action for you. Abraham Joshua Heschel once wrote, Action is truth. That the actions you engage in reveal the truth of what you truly believe, down to your inner core. So, what truth are you revealing by how you live? I, I know this seems kind of strange in some respects to talk about. The, the church for centuries has only been about belief purity. It's been about orthodoxy or right belief. If you believe rightly, that's all that matters. But there's this really fascinating story at the beginning of the Gospel of Mark that shows us something a bit differently. As a church, we're walking through the gospel passages in the lectionary this year. It's an attempt to center ourselves well on the story of Jesus, of who he is, and allowing his ways and his thoughts and his heart to become a bit more embedded in who we are, to become our ways, our thoughts, our heart. Jesus had just come into the synagogue and began to teach. It was a it was a pretty normal thing for him to do, but he would teach this newfangled idea that the kingdom of God was near, that God himself was near to them right now in this very place, in this very moment, and all they needed to do was repent or, or turn around and see. Beautiful ideas and thoughts that enraptured the crowd. It, it captivated them, and they, they were amazed at what he was talking about and how he was talking about it. He had, he had this way about him, this authority, this confidence, and 
honestly, even today, who wouldn't want to hear this idea that a loving God has come near to you to bandage your wounds, to hold you near, to hold you by the hand and comfort you in the greatest moments of your pain? Talissa actually did a really amazing job of showing us this on the Awake My Soul blog just the other day. You should check it out. Now, as Jesus was talking about these things, a man possessed by an evil spirit cried out. Which is interesting, right? That This man, inhabited by an evil spirit, inhabited by evil, had been in their presence this entire time, and no one knew. No one said a word. I mean, did they even know? Did they just ignore the evil in the room? Were they too afraid to speak out against evil, fearful of the consequences that might come their way? It makes me wonder a bit how often we sit near evil, how often we allow it to sit by us, how aloof we are to its presence or indifferent. We either ignore it or are too afraid to say something about it or we're just simply okay with it. But here, as Jesus speaks truth, as Jesus proclaims God's love has come near, that hope is now here, evil lurches, it wretches, and it writhes. What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? Evil cries out. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. I know who you are. The first time that I read that line many moons ago, I shuddered with this realization. Evil knows who Jesus is. Evil believes the same things that I do about Jesus. Evil even proclaimed Jesus as the Holy One of God. What then separates me from evil? That'll send your head racing. On the morning of June 7, 1964, after the chaplain prayed over the congregation, Sam Bowers walked up to the pulpit at Boykin Methodist Church. Now, Bowers was a deeply devout man, believed in Jesus explicitly, that he was who he said he was, that he died, was buried, rose from the dead, who believed in the Christ-centered shape of all reality, that, that Jesus was, in fact, the Holy One of God. As Bauer stood in that pulpit invoking the name of God, Jesus, through imagery and overtly religious language, he declared a holy war against civil rights leadership. And as the imperial wizard of the Ku Klux Klan of Mississippi, he detailed a formal protocol for all Klan attacks on all the black people and white sympathizers. The same protocols and plans that were enacted within days to, ex to execute three civil rights workers in nearby Neshoba County. I know who you are, the Holy One of God, evil declares. Maybe you've seen this image. The KKK standing in their robes, being welcomed in the church, standing beneath a banner that reads, Jesus saves. And sure, we assume that this image was taken in Mississippi or Alabama or Georgia, somewhere in the deep south. But this image of the Ku Klux Klan being welcomed into the church under Jesus Saves was taken just down I-5 in Portland, Oregon. I know who you are, the Holy One of God, evil declares. On January 6th, 2021, 
A massive insurrectionist laid siege upon the capital, and staffers and representatives fled for their lives, with men and women hunting for them, with zip ties and handguns, with shouts of execution. Inside the overrun house chamber, a man stood at the dais and shouted, Jesus Christ, we invoke your name. Amen. Jake Angeli, the self-named QAnon shaman, took to the dais and called for everyone to pray with him. They, they took off their hats and invoked the name of God, giving him thanks for this opportunity, this victory. Thank you. Divine, omniscient, omnipotent, and omnipresent creator God, he prayed before turning to invoke racist language. Thank you for filling this chamber with your white light and love, your white light of harmony. Thank you for filling this chamber with patriots that love you and that love Christ. He finished his prayer. We love you and we thank you. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen, the group shouted. I know who you are. Holy One of God, evil declares. Are you distraught by this? I hope so. It should be distressing to those of us who seek to trust in the Christ-centered shape of all reality, that, that we share such a central belief with such a reprehensible set of characters as these. I mean, how far, or how did Jesus' followers end up so far from the teaching and example of Jesus? How did Jesus' followers quote Jesus in one breath and incite racial vilification and incite a violent insurrection in the next? And you know as well as I do that this is only the tip of the iceberg. We've seen this same story portrayed over and over throughout our lives on the news, in the paper, at work, with family. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The evil screeched at Jesus, shuddering, wondering out loud whether Jesus was there to destroy him. The Apostle James, in writing a letter of encouragement and teaching to the early Christians, also took a moment to chastise them as well in their disagreement. You believe there is one God? Good! Even the demons believe that and shudder. Faith without deeds is useless. Faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. You could say the same about action that stands counter to the nature and character of Christ. Your faith, if accompanied by perpetual actions that misrepresent Christ, is dead. While we may share the same belief in who this Jesus is, we do not share the same faith. And this is what is so brilliant about the writer Mark as he shares the story of Jesus. Jesus, standing in the synagogue, teaches about the kingdom of God, that God has come near to vanquish evil, to rescue us from its clutches, that the time had come to turn to God and be liberated from oppression and death. And the hair on the neck of evil stood at attention and shrieked. Don't destroy me. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus commanded. Come out of him. And immediately evil fled. Immediately evil was vanquished. The man was freed from its clutches and liberated from its oppression. This, this is the kingdom of God. You see, our faith is not about belief alone. 
It is about action. It is about partnering with Jesus to vanquish the evil that surrounds us. We have to do more than just believe in evil. We have to see evil. We have to name evil. And we have to call it out, just like Jesus did. A few weeks ago, we renewed our baptism vows as a church. And it started with these three questions. Do you reject Satan and all his works and all his empty promises? To which I ask you again today, do you? Because we must understand that evil stands opposed to the kingdom of God. Evil stands opposed to the ways of Jesus. Evil looks to steal and kill and destroy at every turn and in every way. But the kingdom that Jesus spoke of this kingdom is different. This kingdom is a kingdom of liberation, of freeing the prisoner and the oppressed, of putting evil asunder and putting the world to rights. It's a kingdom of love, loving the immigrant and the outcast, the outsider and the oppressed, of loving God and each other and one another, of loving yourself, tenderly knowing that you too are created in his image. You are an image bearer of God. It's a kingdom of joy, a joy that brims with hope and overflows with exuberance, a joy that rests deep within because the, in the core of your being, because you know, you just know that you're held by God, loved by God. It's a kingdom of peace and peacemakers, not the absence of conflict, but the presence of justice, a peace that passes all understanding and exemplifies that peace is wholeness, that all of us can come together in unity and in hope and in love and in mercy and in grace and in possibility. Peace is wholeness in you, knowing your whole self fully, the ability to see you as God sees you. I could go on and on. Because, you see, it's a kingdom of patience and kindness, a kingdom of goodness and gentleness, a kingdom of faithfulness and self-control, a kingdom where the meek inherit the earth and the pure in heart are blessed. I could go on and on because, you see, it's a kingdom of hope. It's a kingdom where creation groans no more and where God dwells with his people, a kingdom where there are no more tears and no more death or mourning or crying or pain, no more surgeries where sight is restored and disease and evil are vanquished. And this, this is what Jesus said was coming near through him. And evil will not have it. Evil won't give up or give in. Evil isn't going down without a fight. I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And I wonder, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Because, you see, I want to see that kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And the more and more I talk to single-serving friends and neighbors, the outcast and the downtrodden, we don't have any time to waste. Fannie Lou Hamer, the iconic civil rights activist from Mississippi, the, the same Mississippi as Sam Bowers, she maintained throughout her life that it wasn't enough just to claim to be a Christian. If you are not putting that claim to the test, where the rubber meets the road, then it's high time to stop talking about being a Christian. I looked at my single-serving friend as he stood up to leave and said, just because someone believes in Jesus doesn't mean they actually follow him. 
It's a big difference. And hopefully in the future, you'll meet more people that shock you, that surprise you, that turn your world upside down. You'll meet more people that follow Jesus than simply believe in him. This is why we started United two years ago, to equip a bunch of people to be followers of Jesus so that hopefully people like my single surfing friend will meet more and more people that shock him, that shock them, that surprise them, that turn their world upside down, that they'll meet more people that follow Jesus than simply believe in him. So if you're here and you believe in Jesus, good for you. Even the demons believe that and shudder. It's time for you to put that claim to the test where the rubber meets the road. And if not, then it's high time to stop talking about being a Christian. And for the rest of us, let's get back to work. Let's surprise the world. Thank you for listening to this week's homily. If you're in Seattle, we'd love for you to join us at 1316 Third Avenue West in Queen Anne. If you'd like to support our efforts, please visit unitedchurch.gives to partner with us financially. Be in peace and God bless.